Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 97th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special guest is Ben Strano. But before we get to him, let me introduce my, the panel. Uh, I'm Chris Atkins. Uh, <laughs> Diami put this on here, a former internet fame, and I'll be your host. I know that's going to surprise a lot of you that I'm back on, but hey, here I am for tonight. Good evening, Chris. And how you doing, Diami? I'm just dandy. Good. And so obviously, Diami's also on the podcast with us tonight. How are you doing? I'm just fine. Um, this is the first time I've recorded in over a year. So, has it been uh, that long? It has. I actually went back and looked at it, and it was last, like, March was the last time I recorded. Wow. Yeah. To think we've just kept going without missing you at all. How did that happen? I thought it would, like, the world would end or something. <laughs> I'm a stubborn pole. <laughs> no, I'm glad you guys have kept it up. So, well, we missed um, you. So, yeah, I just said that I would, um, you know, you kind of, Sean was, was not able to make it tonight, so um, you needed somebody else on, so here I am. Well, thank you. Well, yeah. with, uh, with you here, let me put the pressure on you. I'm sure the answer is what it was over a year ago, but what's going on in your shop? Man, so, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to say it's probably about the same as it was a year ago. Um, you know, I've still got quite a few big projects going on right now in, uh, you know, construction development. Uh, I've got three, uh, three big projects that I'm working on currently and got another project in zoning. So that eats up a lot of my time. So honestly, most of my woodworking has been uh, just kind of fixing things around the house and and uh, doing some projects like that. We're actually getting ready to build a house, so so been doing some kind of planning mm. and actually planning my next shop out, which that's been um, kind of fun to plan on having a shop that's not shared with the rest of the family. Can, um, so the new shop is not going to be the front door like the current shop is? It will not be the front door. And uh, two two things about that is I'm in contracting too, a little differently. But you say you've still got a couple projects going on. Maybe contracting is different in Atlanta, but at least in New York, the goal is to always have projects going on. You say that as though you're trying to wrap them up. No, not at all. Just you know, we. I, I think um, last year I probably had one that that had just wrapped up. Another was starting and. Um, you know, now I've got three projects going full blast. Uh, one of them will finish up in about four months, uh, but I also have another that'll hit about the same time. So, mm-hmm. no, my my goal is right now for with just where we're at is try to keep about three three of these big, um, you know, senior apartment deals, uh, independent livings going at the same time. These are what like fourteen, sixteen month projects. Um, they they vary between. They vary between about 14 months and 18 months. just depends on what size and what complexity of grading and stuff we've got. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's been busy, but unfortunately, I still haven't done a lot. As a matter of fact, I, I was actually um, – the, the last little thing that I would even remotely call woodworking was I had to replace a door in the house. So, so one of my guys came over, and, um, you know, he knew that, that I've done quite a bit in woodworking in the past, so – so he's he's over there and and I said, "Hey, can you uh, you know, here's a chisel." And so I handed him one of my like good Japanese chisels or something. Did you show like, him the chisel rack? <laughs> I showed him the chisel rack and he was like, "I don't even know what to do with those." And <laughs> and I said, 
hear, you know, Mortis, this hand jail. And so after watching him for about 10 minutes, I finally said, just, Go okay, <laughs> stop. Let's just, let's, let's have a lesson in how to use a chisel for a few moments first. So, uh, so anyway, I, I, uh, I got to Mortis some, some hinges out about a couple of weeks ago, but that's probably about the most I've done in a month. Well, do me a favor, get back in the shop. You got it, man. So what about you? What do you got going on? Uh, it's been a flurry of activity lately. Um, what I have hanging in the shop right now are four, um, they're frames that will fit in the ceiling to hold access hatches. Um, we, we do work at, well, a lot of churches. Diocese is one of our biggest contract, uh, customers at work. And this particular Catholic school has curved concrete ceilings and, it's concrete and rebar or concrete and expanded steel lath. So we we have whenever we have to get into the ceilings to work on drain pipe, we have to cut through the ceilings with metal grinders, which is really pleasant. And you, we're not just patching it with concrete. So we make these custom – I make these custom hatches and it's a wooden frame with two curved sides and two straight sides. It fits into this curved ceiling and then we put a square access panel inside that. So I've got three of these frames hanging nice. off – yeah, they, they're – they're they're quick and sloppy and all Craig together. Not that Craig's are necessarily bad, but um, it was you know just a race to build them as fast as I could. Um, they're right. all painted white. They're made out of uh, half inch Baltic birch. There's nothing. I, I got to play in the shop for a couple hours to make them, but there's nothing particularly fancy about them. Um, but they're literally hanging. I've got two hanging off my sander cart and one hanging off my planer because they're painted now and I don't want to just sit them on the floor. Uh, mm-hmm. But tomorrow they'll finally leave the shop and go to the office. Um, I've got this curved stacked lamination thing that is ultimately going to be a microphone stand or excuse me. I keep calling it a mic stand. It's a headphone rack. It's going to screw to the wall and my headphones are going to hang on it, Mm -hmm. but I'm using it as just an experiment in kind of curving it. And I've, I've been just posting it on Instagram as I go and I keep talking about how I'm cooking it. And I don't know why I went on this cooking tangent, but for the rest of the post of the project, I have to keep referencing that it's a, it's a recipe of some sort. So, (laughs) <laughs> You'll see my stupid posts about that as I curve it. It's one of these things where it's just an experiment for me in informing. Like if you remember years ago, I made a glue gun rack for my wife, and it's this very yeah. sculpted thing. And that was basically just I took a power carver and I said, what can I do with it? And I just tried to make a shape. And that's kind of what I'm doing here is I have basic parameters that it needs to – I need to be able to hang my headphones on it. But it's just going to be an exercise in sculpting. And it's just kind of neat practice that I'm playing with in between other things. Um, also, I've got 10 plant hangers in the shop. It's a simple one-board project, and it a t- traditional uh, terracotta planter. Mm-hmm. It kind of locks into the side and hangs, so you get two on each side. I, I posted that on Instagram, and this this maybe one of you two guys can help me on this. Ben, I know you're in charge of a lot of social media, so maybe you have some insight into this. Um, I've made what I consider to be incredibly detailed pieces, sculpted pieces, pieces that took tens and hundreds of hours to make and shared them. And I'll use Instagram as the example. My second most liked post on Instagram is the bar top arcade. I finished a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and that's a 60 hour project. And for mm-hmm. what it is, I personally think it's very nice. Um, it's nothing mm-hmm. too too fancy, but for Bartop Arcade, it's the fanciest one I've ever seen. 
It was um, cool, though. It's different. Cool. Thank you. Um, new project. So that had 200 likes, and that was quite a bit of real effort. 200 likes out of how many followers? At a 2,400, 2,500, that's, somewhere like that. I mean, that's an incredible ratio right there. Well, I thank you. I appreciate that. But here's the other thing is this stupid plant hanger that took me an hour to make. <laughs> I, I took the one that's been hanging on my back porch for months or for years, rather, and I brought it in the shop. I traced it on a piece of oak. It's a one by four. I didn't have to rip it to width. I didn't have to dimension it. All I had to do was trace the shape on the outside and make a few cuts in the bandsaw, take it over to the spindle sander, do a little bit of sanding, and it was done. Um, it took me an hour and 10 minutes start to finish to make it. It got almost 600 likes. <laughs> and it's just this stupid little thing, and I don't understand the difference. You know, but, it's, but you say that, and it's, it's funny, though. I mean, if you look at, like, YouTube and stuff and, and, and look at some of the people that are the most successful, and most of the people that are, like, hugely successful, most of the time it's because they're building something simple. And I think it's just, I think it's just how people relate. You know, they mm. see something that's, that's simple and they think, oh man, I could make that. And they relate to that more sometimes than, you know, I don't even know what to do with that arcade. You know, where do they, you yeah, know, where would they get know, started? Or, I, but, I suppose that's true. But the people following Yami are probably not your DIY crowd. I true. wouldn't think that's so. A, Cause that's not typically no, that's what I'm posting. Point. Yeah. So, I mean, this this is basically every lunchtime conversation we ever have at the magazine is like somebody sitting there going, I just posted gold and, and I only got 600 likes, you know, and, and uh, right. everybody having competitions to see who could <laughs> take a picture of the same thing and, and, who, and get more likes. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, I won that one. But um, <laughs> it was just a, a the scene from – behind the uh, the cafeteria at work during a snowstorm. And uh, both Mike, Matt, and I posted. And when, when I say I, it's it's from the, the Fine Woodworking account, of course. Okay, I see. Um, and, uh, but we always declare it as me, even though it's, it's not really fair because I'm ripping off everyone else's photography and hard-earned work. Right. But, um, but that's your job now. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, my job is to just scroll through hundreds of photos and, and find cool things to post. And that's there are the, much worse things to do at work. Well, and then I watch woodworking videos, and then I make woodworking videos. So, I mean, it's pretty great. So. Yeah. Well, let me just get on to the one other thing that's gone on in my shop, and then I definitely want to know what's going on in your shop or the shop at work, whichever one you're working in more often, Ben. Okay. Um, but. I mentioned I had 10 of these things. So I made one for my aunt, these plant holders, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, whenever it was. I had to go up to her birthday party. And so my wife wanted me to make them for gifts for the kids' teachers. Because um, we're, at least here on the island, we're, I don't know, a week and a half from the end of school, something like that. I'm sure your school ended like three months ago, Chris. We've um, been out for almost three weeks. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so I'm making 10 of them. And... I had the bandsaw on and I've got the stack of 10 of them completely marked out sitting on my table saw, which is a step away from the bandsaw. And I take one, I make all the cuts in the bandsaw, I put it on, I grab the next one, I make all the cuts in the bandsaw, I put it on the table saw and I keep cycling through them. The bandsaw had been running nonstop for, I'm going to guess, a half hour. Maybe it was 20 minutes, maybe it was 40 minutes. I'm not quite sure. I wasn't paying close enough attention. And I got through... most of the cuts on all of them and 
all of the cuts on six of them. So I have four of them about three quarters of the way cut, but not yet finished. And the bandsaw all of a sudden bogs down like it's under some crazy resistance. So I, I shut it down and I reach down. I feel the motor and it's like it burnt me. So I was like, you know what? Maybe there's a heat switch of some sort. And I just I put the fan on and I went. I did other things. And I come back a couple hours later. It's cold to the touch. I turn the bandsaw on. It's still just chugging along, not not cutting, not spinning nearly as fast as it should. And mm. it runs like that for about 10, 15 seconds and stops. And wow. now I press the button. I turn the button off and it's like it's not plugged in. Like absolutely nothing happens. You have the Laguna, don't you? I have or, the Laguna LT16. It's a beast yeah. of a saw. It's got a three horsepower Leeson lesson monster motor hanging off the back of it. I would I know it's not a true production machine, you know, it's not designed yeah, to be all but, day, but I, I would have assumed that it could have handled this. And that being yeah. said, I don't I don't know what is wrong with it. Um I talked to I always refer to him as a toolmonger, but the local guy who who fixes and sells tools who I've known since I was old enough to walk. Um and is his name is Henry. I talked to Henry this morning about it and he referred me to another guy in his shop who thought he thought would know more about the Laguna per se, and he's not in till tomorrow, so I got to reach back out to them tomorrow. But what Henry's initial thought was was based on what I described. He thought the motor was gone. Now you didn't get this very long ago, right? I no, mean, I've had maybe it, a year ago. I've had it for about a year and a half. Chris, I was say you've had it a little more because I remember when you bought it. Yeah, I was still exactly. Still on. I I uh, yeah. It was about a, about a year and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and it has worked flawlessly until Saturday when it stopped working. Wow. Uh, so I will certainly uh, I will share what goes on with that. But at this point, I'm staring at this beautiful piece of expensive That's a bummer. That's not – Yeah. It's, Big drag. It's just stone dead. So I don't know. But anyway, that is what's going on in my shop. Ben, tell us about what's going on in your shop. Well, um, these days I'm working out in the magazine shop. Uh, but for the past couple of weeks, I have not been doing my daily one hour of shop time before work because we closed on a house. Uh, <laughs> this sounds awfully familiar to last week's or last episode, but, um, closed on a house and, uh, it's a 1790s Cape and there's a lot of work to be done to say I, the least. I, I think you, you posted a picture of it probably on Instagram, but I think I saw a picture of it, right? Yeah, yeah, probably on Instagram, yeah. Yeah, beautiful, um, beautiful house. It, it, beautiful house. It's one of those um, – nothing's really been updated or remodeled, I should say, since best I can figure the 30s. Um, but everything that was maintained was maintained incredibly well. Uh, I think I told you at one point, you know, brand-new architectural metal, metal roof um, – uh, brand new septic system that's top of the line, two wow. times the size that it needs to be. Um, everything that this woman who lived here, everything she did was over the top, but she didn't do anything like, um, you know, remodel or make anything look great, which is awesome for us because we could afford it, right? Exactly. And, and <clears throat> yeah. it sounds like the foundation, the fundamentals, the foundations of the house are good, and the rest is just uh, at some point cosmetic. Well, yes, except um, right now the major holdup is my son's room was not insulated. So uh, I gutted that and in the process decided to put in new windows. So now we're 
our our holdup for moving in is really waiting on on the windows right now. Okay. Right. So uh, you know, far worse things to do. But normally, I get up uh, about five forty five and head into the fine woodworking shop for an hour, hour and a half, and then go to work itself at eight. Um, these days, I've just been heading straight into work so that I can leave early and and work on the house w- with my wife. So right, right now. I'll I'll offer this up because he may be too shy to, but anytime you want, you grab Patrick from home building and you take him and he will work on your house. You have <laughs> nothing to worry about there. <laughs> I've had both Patrick McComb and Andy Engel over to the place and picking their brains. And Patrick, we, we, we found some Silra in an addition and Patrick might be taking that on. He doesn't know okay. if he has time yet. Well, but they, they both... You know, you buy them lunch and they wander around. And I love Patrick dearly. That being said, he can sometimes overanalyze things. So just be a little careful. I'm very capable of that myself. He's probably he's probably got nothing on me there. Um, but yeah, he he is he's a. I, I always joke that between him and Andy, you know, the dental plan is is great. <laughs> But the real the real benefit of working at Taunton is access to Patrick and Andy. Uh, they're just an incredible wealth of information. You know, I, I feel bad for them because they're you know constantly having people. My house is broken, you know. But they they stop by my cube all the time and say, "Hey, what did you do last night?" And, and I update them and they give me their ideas and it's 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 phenomenal. Nice, that's cool. And uh, before we move on. It's been a while since I've talked to Patrick. Please give him my best. Will do. Will do. So Ben, when, when you so when you are in the shop, what what kind of projects do you have? Some projects that are kind of in the works right now, or yeah, do you right right now? I've got a side table, a little shakerish. Um, I don't want to say schedule, which is shaker and federal mixed together for us. Is that um, a Connecticut thing? Because that sounds wrong. Well, no, that's a fine woodworking thing. That's kind of what we call Garrett Hack's work is shovel. <laughs> right. Because um, it's, it's you know, at its basis, it's normally very shaker. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes nuts with bling. Right. Um, yep. So, uh, but I, I don't want to call it that to put it in the level of, of Garrett's work. But um, I'm working on a little, little side table, uh, three drawers, um, there's a lot, a lot of design things that I'm taking from Garrett, a lot of things I'm taking from Hank Gilpin um, with some uh, off-centered drawers and things like that. Uh, and actually, it's something that I designed in a design class that I took with Mike Pekovich ah. at uh, Connecticut Valley School of Woodworking. And um, so I, was, I almost feel like he's rooting me out just as hard as I am because, you know, it's I think it's cool for him that it was designed in his class and we actually mocked it up in that class and everything. And, and it's, I've stayed pretty true to the mock-up. Um, so could I ask, um, I just got back from, uh, I, we're all friendly podcasters. I'm going to pretend like you're all friendly magazines. Um, <laughs> I just got back from weekend with wood. And, uh, if you can convince Tom to have another fine woodworking live, I'll go to that too. But that being said, I, I sat through a bunch of design classes there. So, mm-hmm. It was interesting to hear some of the some of the design teachers argue against mock-ups, which hmm, I can't weird. say I've ever made a mock-up, but huh. I can absolutely understand why they're beneficial to the design process. So 
and I've sat through the most classes I've ever taken um, have been with, with Jeff Miller. I've done two day classes with him as opposed to just the lectures. I've never actually well, had he, the opportunity to go he to does, a long class. He does chair mockups. Right? Well, exactly. Does, That's what I'm talking about. In, in, yeah. the, in the class, Chris was in the class with me. I invited right. myself to Atlanta. And uh, in the class, we made a mockup as a class, and he mm-hmm. emphasized the importance of mockups to his design. And frankly, I think his chair design is phenomenal. So. In terms of, I'm not advocating for the anti mockup design. I think that's kind of silly. If you really want to elevate your design, mockups are beneficial, though a little time consuming, but ultimately they save time because you come out with a better product. But that being said, well, um, no. no, go on, Ben. I think that the end game is really important. If you're looking to make a table mm-hmm. for that your wife is requesting, <laughs> make the table, get it done now. As soon as humanly possible. Um, I actually just uh, I just uploaded a video to the Fine Order King website, and I'll I'll try and remember shoot you a link. And it is I me just and, watched that. <laughs> it, well, it's it's me and Duncan Gowdy talking about yeah. mockups. Oh, and um, you, from his perspective, here he is. He's making a piece that end of the day is worth thousands and thousands. You know, mm-hmm. um, a small car. Uh, and he's going to spend 400 hours making it. Mm-hmm. And he's going to spend 200 hours carving the panel in the center and everything. And he needs to know that everything is right. So it's nothing for him to spend a couple of days doing mock-ups Absolutely. to make sure that that all of the dimensions and the perspective is is correct. Um, so I'll, I'll send you a, a link and I'll actually post it to YouTube soon here. Okay. And, no, uh, I'd appreciate and, that. I'll, de- I'll yeah. include that in the show notes if you send me the link. Yeah. I, I yeah. just watched that video on, on the website right before we, we got on and, and you know, what I thought was interesting about it was, you know, how he made several different versions. So the piece evolved, mm-hmm. you know, until the, the final one. And then, you know, he even had it kind of sitting there you know, just kind of put it in place and just spend some time walking around it for a little while. Just, you know, being in a room with it and going, you know, your first impression may change over time. So, yeah. Well, and, and his, his did, it did. Uh, his his Mm -hmm. um, initial design was totally wrong for what he wanted. And, uh, and it's, it's, I mean, I don't want to too, but it's, it's a great video because, um, a lot of people will sit there and think that somebody like Duncan, you know, just, wakes up and makes beautiful furniture, but it's a very, it's a, uh, it's very methodical for him. And he goes through a lot of processes to get to the end, the end result. Um, so it's, you know, it's worth it to do the mock-up to make sure that you're going to like the finished piece because I mean, this side table I'm working on, I've probably already, I'm, I'm doing a lot of things that I've never done. uh, A lot of hand cut joinery, things like that. I, when I lived in Nashville, uh, most of the woodworking I did was commission based and it was kind of, you know, break out the domino and get the piece out the door. Mm. Um, so now, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, using dovetails for the casework and um, double tenons, you know, for front aprons, things like that, doing some sculpting. Um, but I've got, you know, maybe 40 or 50 hours into this right now. And I, you know, I, I, I'm up to the casework is done. I need to do the drawers and the top. Um, but when I get ready to do the top again, um, I will do that old put two mirrors on the top and mock up different tops uh, and different uh, different uh, 
the moldings around the, the top or, or, mm-hmm. or profiles um, because it's one of those things where it's like, man, why rush this? Why, right. why, why, why screw it up now? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I think mock-ups are great. Well, I, I kind of took us down this, whether or not to do mock-ups, but that really wasn't my initial question. When you were talking about the class with Mike and the mm-hmm. mock-ups you're doing, my my initial thought was more technical in terms of what are you making mock-ups out of? Are you just, I mean, with, like we talked about uh, the class that Chris and I took with Jeff Miller, and mm-hmm. he's an advocate for initial mock-ups out of anything you have, just slap it together as quickly as you can so you can view the form in person in 3D. And yeah. then he'll make kind of a cheap, screwed-together version out of whatever he has to verify that it's comfortable. It just has to be strong enough to support him. Mm-hmm. And then he'll get into really making it. When you're talking about mock-ups, are you doing them out of cardboard and foam or you're making them out of real wood? What What's the process for the mock-up? Well, this, this particular class... Um, we did a bunch of drawings. We spent the first day drawing basically. And, um, then we did a quarter scale foam board mock-up. Um, or as I've learned, the, the real word is maquette. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, M-A-U-Q-E-T-T-E, I think. Um, but, uh, we, we did a foam, a foam board mock-up. And then we did a full-size mock-up. But the way that we did the full-size mock-up was one of those Mike Pekovich, oh, you just, you're next level. Where it, it was um, all blue tape? <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was blue tape involved, I assure you. But um, he had two, um, I would say, 24 by 36 mirrors okay. taped together. And we were just doing side tables. So we would make a quarter of the side table with, mm-hmm. uh, we had, you know, a piece of pine and I think we had some ash leg blanks milled up and we would make up our legs, cut, cut the profiles in the legs, do the profile on the top of the thing. And then the rest of it was all cardboard huh. and you would do one full, you would do one quarter of it and you'd right. stick it in this mirror and you would from the right perspective, you would see the, the, the full piece, life-size. So in terms of the physical mock-up, he's using the mirrors to amplify what's been done. So you're, since you're making a symmetrical piece, you're minimizing what you have to build for the mock-up. You build one quarter, basically. Exactly. One, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then and for the mock-up, the piece that and, you're shaping is actual wood, the leg. And then mm-hmm. the other pieces are plywood and cardboard simply to get them produced as quickly as possible to represent the form. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'll see if I can dig up a picture of it for you. Um, but uh, I don't know, should, well, it's on Instagram, so I can't, <laughs> uh, I can't share it, but um, it's uh the, the beautiful thing is if you go to change something, if you're like, oh, that leg profile is not quite doing it for me, uh, you only have to Just fix once. one leg. Right. Um, but it was funny because Mike and I were both sitting there and, and we're looking at something and, and he said, why don't you change that? I said, oh, God, that's a lot of work. And and we were both looking at it and I grabbed it. I said, oh, I only have to do it once because it was so – it, I bought it entirely that mm-hmm. I was looking nice. at the finished piece and, and, and he laughed at me. He goes, I actually had the same thought. 
that like, oh, that sucks. You're going to have to go do that four times, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm going to tag you in this photo. Um, that's cool. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a neat, neat idea for a mock-up that, you know, yeah, you really don't need to. I mean, you're not trying to touch and feel the whole thing. You're just trying to get a perspective and look at it. Yeah, exactly. Now, if it's a class and you're all sharing the mirror, I can appreciate that this doesn't work, but in terms of the mock-up, at least I'm going to go back to Jeff Miller because I'm sorry. I have to go back to what I what I know. Mm-hmm. He yeah. talks about how with the chairs, he'll make – it's not the initial plywood and foam board version, but the first version out of wood that's basically just, just cobbled together just strong enough to support him. He has lunch at that chair, mm-hmm. and he lives with it in his shop for a long time, verifying mm-hmm. that it's comfortable and that it he's not only happy with the aesthetics of it over time, but that – it it functions properly functions over right. time. Yeah. Now, with a table, you're not necessarily testing for comfort. I appreciate that. But let's you know, you're talking about a table where it's going in your home or a high end client's home, and you want to live with it for a while to confirm that it works and works and works. Now, in a case like that, are we talking about you make a corner till during that one session you decide yes, this corner works. And then you make out a full table and you live with that for a while to realize that you still like the design or could you even just, you'd have to dedicate mirrors to it, but could you even just set the corner and the mirrors up in your living room or in your shop or somewhere where you see it regularly and experience it that way to realize that, you know, you're really comfortable with it. Does it I don't just do a, think that just do a hologram in your living room. <laughs> <laughs> just 3d print it, man. Um, <laughs> That's right. Uh, I don't think that that would work because you really do have to be at a certain angle to see it okay. um, as a complete piece. Um, but uh, so hang on now my box. Um, <laughs> but um, so I did not make a full size mock-up of this, honestly, because we don't have a house right now. We're staying with my parents, <laughs> you know, it's like, Furniture, uh, space for a piece of furniture that's not really a piece of furniture just lying around isn't really worth it. But I do know that Mike does that. He does full-size mock-ups and puts them in the room where it would be and walks around. And then he'll he'll take a – he'll even take a picture of the mock-up in the room and Photoshop different Kumiko. <laughs> of course he will. <laughs> and, and print it – I mean the, the guy's insane, you know. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's – that's that next level thing. You know? Yeah. Wow. I, I don't know what to respond to Mike photoshopping Kumiko on it. I mean, that's, it's phenomenal. That's awesome. His Kumiko work is fantastic. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm in awe of what he's doing, but at the same time, having met him a few times, not knowing him particularly well, but having met him a few times, that strikes me as something he would do. That is completely a Pekovich kind of thing, is it not? Oh, oh, yeah. And I mean, him and Matt will sit there and and <laughs> you know go over. All of a sudden, you see him conferring, and, and I, you walk by, and they're sitting in front of the in front of the computer, going, "Well, what if that panel went up right there?" And it's it's really inspiring to be around. It really, really is. I, the the level that that um, Mike, Matt, and John work at is just insane and um when when you've got that that eye staring you down it really makes you really question every move you make in a good way because Mm. i mean end of the day sure i would love to have something in the magazine am i there yet no 
way. Not a chance, not know-how. Well, here's but, the thing, though. Wait, wait. I'm, uh, I'm going to tangent for a second. Yeah, go for it. You have a house, and you know Patrick. You'll get in that magazine first. <laughs> oh, I'm getting <laughs> – well, they, they're always sending out, uh, who needs a toilet? <laughs> we need so, to make a video of a toilet or who needs this or who needs a Bilko door or whatever. So, and, Ken, you're, 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 you're talking about, you know, that, that actually brought up a point I wanted to just talk about a little bit was, you know, when you're talking about just the, the inspiration stuff. Now, you're, you're from just down the street from the magazine. Is that, is yeah. that correct? Yeah. I, so, I, grew up, I grew up about five miles away from Taunton, yeah. So when you were growing up, did you have any knowledge of the magazine at all? Or is that something you learned about later on and go, hey, I can't believe that was just down the street? I mean, t- how, how did all that come about just a little bit? Um, I didn't know anything about Taunton growing up here. Uh, when, when I lived here, uh, the first time, uh, I was engrossed in music and things like that. I couldn't have cared mm-hmm. less about woodworking. My father made all of the furniture in our house, but wow. it was just something that, that he did. And he, it was never, I, I never saw him do it. I, I never know, but you know, if we needed something, he made it. And, um, but, uh, I got into woodworking as my, uh, as my recording career started to fizzle out and I had a little bit more time on my hands, um, I would, uh, I think honestly the very first introduction to high end woodworking would have been, uh, wood, woodsmith magazine. Okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, I remember seeing their show on PBS and then I jumped on iTunes and this was before YouTube was really big and, and, you know, just searched for woodworking and of course came across Mark. Mm-hmm. And I remember as I was really getting into it, there was, he did a tour of fine woodworking yep. and I was sitting there. I was like, are you kidding me? That's in Newtown. <laughs> it was just like, that's what I would kill to be up in Newtown. And then every so often uh, I would see on Twitter, somebody post a picture of a, um, of one of the uh, help wanted ads or whatever in, in the magazine. And somebody would say, Oh, I wish I lived in Newtown. And it was just, I was just like, man, I've got every reason in the world to go back up to Connecticut and work for fine woodworking, <laughs> but I just didn't have the guts to pull the trigger until recently. And, I'm glad uh, you did. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a phenomenal move. It was good for our family, uh, which is really the reason why we we made the move. Um, we we're a little we we're a little bit over Nashville, and uh, it's a great city, but it had just changed so much in the past few years, yeah. and um just the ability to be back up with family. We didn't really have a whole lot of family in, in Nashville and um, the ability to, you know, work at a place like fine woodworking. What else do you really want? So, yeah. You know, for, for me, I think it's kind of cool to, you know, you, you, you kind of get to know guys through, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all that. And so, you know, what, you know, kind of known you for, for years, you know, quite a few years now. And so you see kind of how people evolve in their woodworking and what they're doing and stuff. And so I thought it was pretty cool when I saw you went to the magazine. So, you know, it's great. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, there was, there's a lot of people that I'm sure said him, you know, <laughs> but, um, it was, uh, the, the thing about fine woodworking and Tom especially is that his, the most important thing to him was, finding a passionate woodworker. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else was secondary. It was, it was, you know, well, we'll, we'll teach you how to do this. We'll do this, but 
you know, he wanted someone that was passionate about woodworking and that could hang with the guys. Um, and that would argue with him, honestly, too. So mm-hmm. could, could I just say that knowing Tom oh, moderately well and knowing Asa very well, and I, I, I apologize if this comes across as bad to Asa because Asa was a wonderful editor and I really like Asa. But I think that is a difference between them. And I think that is an important difference. Not that Asa was in any way against woodworkers, but I think Tom, from that description you just gave, I think Tom is putting a little bit more emphasis on the editors being passionate woodworkers. And I think ultimately that is phenomenal for the magazine because you can learn everything else on the job. You can't learn to love woodworking. Well, and I mean, Matt never... You know, Matt is obviously an incredibly smart man. He has a doctorate and everything, but he had never edited, you know, an article for a magazine. He he honestly didn't take uh, pictures very much. Mm. Um, and now he's a phenomenal photographer. He's kind of our go-to for um, between him and Mike for you know talking about photography and and uh, getting shots right. But um, you know, it, it's it's. It's the passion that those guys instill. John John Tetro, um, he didn't even really want a job, but <laughs> he because he was he was like a studio furniture guy, and he was making he was making furniture, and he loved his life and everything. And but he was like, well, I kind of gotta go there. I kind of you know if they need someone, I kind of I gotta do this. And that's one thing that I find phenomenal about fine woodworking is just about everybody is still to this day in awe of the job and everyone takes it incredibly seriously where it's like, um, you know, I've, I've got a pad that, that, uh, we all, we all have pads, that, you know, they have the fine woodworking logo and everything on the top. And I swear every time I pull it out to take notes, I'm just like, holy crap. <laughs> you know, it, it's just like, like you, you've, you've gotta, you've gotta do right by this place. You know, um, you can't, you can't let the other guys down and you can't let what you know, the 40 years of history down. It's really, really important to everyone. So I can absolutely understand that. So with, you know, with, with you coming on and taking the, taking the position there, you know, what, what kind of, you know, I just kind of went back through and was kind of watching some of the videos and stuff that, that you've done here recently. And, you know, you've kind of put, um, I mean, you put some great videos out and I, I love the, um, I love the videos with the, with just the, you know, the notepad and you're just kind of scribbling mm-hmm. on it and they're almost kind of some stop motion in there and kind of mm-hmm. some, you know, just very cool kind of neat little quick, um, you know, the, the video that you did on the, you know, getting your fingers stuck together with, with super glue, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's nothing, it's definitely not, you know, some big fine woodwork, but it was a great video and it was good information. And it's, it's, it's fun to watch that kind of stuff. You know, if they gave you a lot of freedom to that and you've kind of choose this path that you're kind of pushing this or, cause I mean, it seems like you're putting out some kind of neat, neat comment that's kind of taken some fun directions. It's, it's, um, it's a fine line to ride. Um, especially with the drawing board videos. Uh, the very first one I did on a weekend on my own time. Uh, I did, you know, I just want to throw it out there mm-hmm. and, uh, it got well received. Um, and then ever since then, you know, Tom will sit there and say, Hey, we, we need to, you know, 
I don't have room in this article for this piece of information. Can you do a video about it? And uh, that's where a lot of the things come from. Um, I mean, Ed really did set the bar pretty stinking high for videography and um, fine woodworking, especially between all the editors there and the shooters. um, They've always been that kind of high watermark for getting the information across in a, in a digestible way. Um, And especially towards Ed's, um, towards the end of Ed's tenure, some of the videos that he was making were just absolutely beautiful. Um, If you look at, uh, there's a video of romancing the shop uh, about John Tetro making handles for his chisel. I mean, just the, the video work alone is phenomenal. Um, So, and it's, it's a little bit difficult for me because I come at it from a more of a video editing end and uh, I have so many things to do. I cannot edit the videos. There's just, you know, that would, that would take days and days. Uh, I edit the drawing board videos cause I just, I can't, I can't let those go. Um, but the other ones it's, it's, it's taken some learning uh, to figure out how to communicate with other editors and how okay. to, you know, so we generally sit down and talk about every, every week Tom and I talk about what I want to do that week or what we're doing. And, um, we try and have three or four things for each issue that covers and, and, uh, supports things in the issue. Uh, and then the video workshops are always of the utmost importance mm-hmm. and they're, they're going to be coming out more frequently now. That's, that's one thing that is, uh, they, there was, you know, I think a three or four month time period between Ed and I, where uh, there was not a whole lot of content being made. And so we're still playing catch up and I, I, I hate that, you know, but we're, we're, we're getting there and uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of really exciting things coming up and um, uh, video workshops are going to be a big, big part of that. But a lot of short form things too. We're trying this new, uh, I, I, it's, it makes me cringe almost where I'm playing the host. Um, <laughs> but uh trying a new thing where it's like, you know, a guy like Duncan Gowdy, he, he has no desire to be on camera. Really. He just wants to make furniture. Mm -hmm. But if it's him just talking to a guy, uh, it's a lot easier and, uh, we can get more content quicker that way. And so we're, we're, we're going to be doing a lot more of that. And there's, there's a lot of cool video things that are coming out, but most of that is, um, stuff that I'll come up with. And then, you know, we, we all have lunch together every day. Um, at least Matt, uh, Matt, Mike and I, we always bounce stuff off each other. And, um, there's an editorial aspect to it where, uh, the, uh, you know, I'll play him a video and, and, you know, Michael go, Oh, that technique is pretty questionable. And, and then we'll figure out how to do it a little bit better. You know, and, uh, there is, there is an element to it that we, we, we know that this is fine woodworking and we cannot throw something out there that, you know, is, suspect. Um, so everything needs, needs to go through the proper editorial channels. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's exactly, you know, but no, I mean, it's just, it's neat seeing some of the the videos and kind of how you guys progress and different stuff. And yeah, you're going to have different styles and, and, um, but you know, so far I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. I would would agree. The, the content it's, it's, it's interestingly different from what peppermint used to do. Um, (laughs) Peppermint Pernick. <laughs> He's got my well, dinner still, in his basement. I've still never met. You've never met him? He's no. A, Ed's I, a very nice guy. 
Well, he is a uh, nice guy. Uh, one of the the other web producers who used to work at Fine Woodworking as well, Lisa, she went to home building and she's recently gotten a, a job in, in, in the city. And um, we had, you know, a get together and I was feeling like garbage and wound up not going. It turns out that Ed was there. And uh, I really regret not going oh. for a bunch of reasons, but that being one of them, uh, I, I wanted to hang out with Ed. No, Ed, Ed is, a, is a hoot. He is... I, when I heard Matt describe him as Peppermint, um, at least from the little bit of Ed that I've met, that is a completely appropriate nickname. Um, <laughs> but that being said, uh, the videos are, are – are, there's a different style because there's a different person behind the video. And I think they're both really interesting. And his videos were great. Your videos are very great. I'm interested to see what you do with more of these these interview styles. Um, but what, I'm, what I'm going to say is what – as much as I love Ed – you're participating in social media and the accounts are no longer just auto posting content, but you're engaging in audience. And at least from where I sit in the online community, I think that's important and something that it was the one deficit you could point at fine woodworking and, and, and say that, you know, they're creating wonderful stuff, but they're not engaging in the community and you're engaging now. And that's, You're closing the gap in terms of the one deficit the magazine had, and you're doing a great job of interacting. And I think that's the biggest improvement you've brought to the magazine. Well, thank thank you. And that that was a big, big reason. Um, uh, Tom had mentioned it on the podcast one time, so I, I feel like I can mention it. Is I, I, I applied for this job and didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. And um, <clears throat> I was talking with my wife one day. I said, I'm going to send him a letter. And tell them why I'm I'm the guy, mm-hmm. and uh, I basically sent them like a three page letter ripping them apart. And um, <laughs> one of the biggest aspects of that was was the lack of social media. And I'll, I will say this: after being in the job for almost six months now, I I get it. There's not a whole lot of time to go around. It's a big job. There's so many things to do. Um, you know, you've got to update the website. You've got to write blog posts. You've got to uh, go to advertising meetings. You've got to, you know, do all this, and then you've got to find the time to make videos, and and uh, and then you have to take the actual magazine and make it into a, a digital format. Uh, it, there, there at one point was two people doing this job, wow. and um, and. I think that there was just – it's one of those things that I've made a priority and I can assure you that Ed wanted to. Um, but, you know, he had his way. I have my way and I'm sure I'm slipping somewhere else, you know. Um, but there's there's only so many hours in the day. And like I, I, actually a question for you guys and I, I'm rarely on Twitter. Ever since I took this job, I, I'm – I just don't have time for Twitter. Um, I've had to really direct my attention towards um, Facebook and Instagram, especially. Um, but has Twitter just become? Is there anything there anymore? I, I, I whenever I, I jump around, it just seems like there's you know the same four guys posting, and not much conversation. This is this is the Ami question because I I solely use Instagram and Facebook a little. Yeah, now. I'm gonna say. No, because but okay, but all right. This is telling. Um, I'm pulling up my stats now. Excuse me while I open my phone. Okay, I've been on 
Twitter is the social network I have belonged to the longest. It is the social network closest to my heart. It is the social network I check the most. I am the most engaged in. I have 2,700 followers on Twitter. I've been on there, I don't know how many years, since 2010-ish. I don't know where I would easily look that up. Um, I know I can look it up, but off the top of my head, I'm not sure where I would look it up. Um, I've got 38,000 tweets. I tweet a lot. It is my absolute preferred social network. It used to be mine. Yeah. And has, has engagement gone down? Probably a little bit. Um, I personally think I see far too many auto posts from Instagram and Facebook that aren't genuine Twitters. I'm a believer in, you know, there's a, there's a native community on each social platform. And while I do a little bit of cross posting for the most part, even if I'm sharing the same photo, I'll make us an independent post on each social platform, which is not in any way efficient, but Mm -hmm. I feel more true to the platforms. So that being while I, I, I say that all to demonstrate how I am personally biased towards Twitter. Mm-hmm. That being said, I thought Instagram was dumb. If you go back to my Instagram account, you'll see my first Instagram post is of shoes because I thought it was useless to talk about woodworking there. <laughs> As I look at my Instagram account, I have 2,415 followers. So I've been on Instagram two years and I've been on Twitter six years, something and, like that. And you've probably used Instagram for... Less than a year because yeah. you haven't used it very long. Exactly. I have 342 posts on Instagram and 36,000 posts on Twitter or something like that, we said. So where's the engagement? It's in Instagram. Uh, there's no, there's yeah. no question about that. Uh, well, and I mean my – one of my daily routines is I jump on and, and one of the first things I do in the morning is I read blogs and listen to music and respond to um, social media stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, – it, it, I I have never found the voice for fine woodworking on Twitter. Um, the same way I'm I'm still searching. I'm getting there, but I'm searching for the voice for fine woodworking on Facebook, um, Instagram. I mean, we've been. I started the account, so you know, since January, mm-hmm. and we've got almost thirty thousand followers. Mm. It's just it's it's where we get interaction. It's where, you know, our people are, it seems like. And for the life of me, um, Facebook alludes me to, to a point, um, like wood magazine, their Facebook following is, is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I will say it was, I was both surprised and impressed by how they covered their weekend at wood event on Facebook. They did an, a two hour live stream to Facebook of this build they did in the afternoon. It was, it was impressive. And I could clearly see how Facebook was where they do their social media. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, and it's, you know, I think pop, they're more Twitter based. Um, Wood magazines, more Facebook based. We're obviously Instagram based. Um, Do you, do you think that when that, that relates to when the different magazines built their online presence, well, yeah. Pop probably. has had the longest online presence as far as what I've seen. And years ago, when I, I, being an old man that I am, 
years ago, Twitter was the place to go for woodworking conversation. Yeah. You know, yeah. of all my followers, 98% of them are woodworkers. And that's what I do on Instagram, is on, on Facebook, ugh, on Twitter, rather. I don't name every social network on the way there, is I talk about woodworking. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly, the conversation now is on Instagram. And then, you know, we haven't mentioned the 800-pound gorilla in the room, which is YouTube. Well, YouTube to me is the most important social media out there. I would um, have to agree. I mean, and I mean that's that's one of those things that uh, when people think of it as anything other than a social media site, I, I it blows my mind. Um, YouTube, and then honestly, Pinterest. It, it when I look at the numbers, Pinterest is still a huge driver um, in the woodworking world, just because you know the the pins stay out there forever whereas instagram and youtube is you kind of you fall down the rung uh as as time goes on and facebook especially but i will agree with that but let me ask you a question about pinterest uh pinterest is one where i still check it every once in a while but i i'm not engaged in pinterest Um, no no nor and pinterest but purely purely from a traffic standpoint and and i can appreciate that but pinterest strikes me more as the place where my one board plant hanger is going to phenomenally succeed, whereas my hundred hour carved quilt rack is a non starter. Yeah. Whereas um, on on Instagram, the quilt rack would do way better than that. It hasn't. <laughs> well, it should. I I, I think so. <laughs> but but uh, but no. Um. But with with your moving. And you, you were talking about you know you're gonna you're gonna post some of the vi- the videos are going to be cross posted or at least the the public videos are gonna be post cross posted to YouTube. I feel as as an old man in the circle who joined the online community in 2008 2010 something like that you know a whole six eight ten years ago. Um, I feel like there's a a new generation of woodworkers on YouTube which is different than the woodworkers I came of age with on Twitter. It's it's yes. it's interesting. It's I found it I don't know what to think about it, but it's 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 different now. Well, I always look at it this way. It's like the people doing well on YouTube are doing well because people are watching their videos. Um, that doesn't mean that hmm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way of, of um, you know, like Matt Cremona mm-hmm. is doing phenomenal on YouTube. Um, whereas uh, Matthew Moore, MM Wood Studio, he doesn't get the views and he's a phenomenal woodworker. Absolutely. Um, I mean, he does incredibly high end stuff, and I it's it's always one of those things that I can't figure out why one person gets views on YouTube and the other person doesn't. I do know that we've been doing really well on YouTube, being the inspirational force, being because um, I'm not going to compete with uh, Jay's custom creations. Um, I it's just it's a totally different bag. And I I watch every video that Jay the J posts, but um, what we can do is show the absolute highest 
that the craft has to offer and just sit there and and be that force that says, Hey, if you guys want to see some really, really cool things, if you guys want to see like the, the Mount Everest of woodworking, we're right here. And my goal is to not necessarily be, you know, the, the big guy on, on YouTube. My goal is to drive 10% of Jay's custom creations viewers to watch one of our videos. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, Jay's been, um, he's, he does that whole, uh, you know, what I've been watching or interesting stuff from, from, from interesting around the posts web. From around the web. There, there we go. And he posts fine woodworking stuff all the time now. And it's, I, I love the thing that I love about his videos right now is, you know, he is getting really, really high end um, and very technical. Uh, and I love watching his progression, you know, where it, it was bandsaw boxes and now he's doing, you know, uh, he's doing, you know, pin joinery, uh, a, a sprung breadboard end, things like that. And it's like, that's, that's pretty up there, man. Um, and it doesn't seem to have affected his viewers. So it's like a guy like him is just doing a world of good for everyone. Um, and when he posts our masters of the craft, uh, videos, I could see the numbers and, but those masters of, of the craft videos, um, if you watch some of them, it's, it's nothing that anyone here is going to make. Um, but it hopefully makes you want to go out to the shop. Right. Mm. Now, I don't want to use Jay as an example because Jay is a great woodworker. And frankly, most of the people on YouTube are a great woodworker. But would you dis- do you think that the reason YouTube has exploded in the last, let's say, two years, something like that, is where, from, from where I sit, it, at least in the woodworking community, that's when it seems to have blown up crazily. Um, do you think that's because... I don't want to put a term on them. I have a bunch of terms bouncing in my head, which I'm reluctant to say, but less fine woodworkers and more um, everyday, everyday, yeah, everyday woodworkers who are woodworking one day and working on their computer the next day and doing a plumbing repair the third day and just makers. But even that is, it's become a term that I don't necessarily want to say, but it's, it's, no, but more, it's, it's a valid term for, for, yeah, it's, it's more garden variety than specialized in woodworking. And that's what's blown up in that YouTube is the, the social network for everyone. And the, the more accessible videos are the ones that are succeeding. Yeah. But I mean, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that. Yeah, uh, of course, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, YouTube channels out there that um, a lot of people find more relatable because they, you know, they don't have to have a whole shop full of incredibly sharp chisels that, you know, I mean, man, I've been woodworking six years. I'm just now being able to get something sharp. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's just, um, of course there's, there's going to be, most of the success is going to be on the more relatable everyday man uh, channels, but it's kind of silly to think that that isn't going to eventually lead to more viewers for fine woodworking and pop. And, and, you know, um, so it's every time somebody starts woodworking, it's going to be good for all of us. 
I don't care how I don't care how they get there. You know, um, if if you start, I started pulling apart pallets. You know, and here I am working for Fine Woodworking now. Um, don't tell Tom you did that. <laughs> well, I I would be willing to bet that John Tetro's probably got a few pallets in his work, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's. I don't think that if if you're if you're a fine woodworker and I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now, if you're a fine woodworker, I don't think that YouTube stardom is in your future. I would agree but, with that. Um, but there are some YouTube stars who are fine woodworkers. Absolutely. But I don't absolutely. think that fine woodworking is a recipe for YouTube stardom. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's more, yeah, it's more people that are relatable and, you know, so, you know, it's people that, that, that people relate to and they, they go, Hey, you know, it's somebody I could hang out with and, and, uh, enjoy listening to them and, and hearing what they got to say. And just like you said, I mean, there's, there's, there's always boxes. So, you know, the, 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 if you've got this huge group of followers that follow this, this, you know, kind of entry level stuff. And then you get somebody that's a little more refined and a percentage of that's going to fall down to the, you know, Hey, we want a little more information and a percentage exactly. of those is going to go, mm-hmm. Hey, I want a little more information. And it's going to filter all the way down to, you know, fine woodworking and pop woodworking and you're, exactly. you're hiding guys. It, yeah. I don't, I don't, I think we're all, at least the three of us, we're all good woodworkers. I'm not going to say any of us are at the top of the craft, but YouTube is this giant funnel that catches everyone and the more accessible your project, the more people you catch. And as people do the accessible project, they move on to the little bit harder than a little bit harder than a little bit harder. And we're, we're well down the funnel. There's a long way for us to go, but at least personally, and excuse me if I, if I misspeak for you guys, but at least personally I'm making is interesting but I'm not a maker. I'm a woodworker, and I've already made that definition. And I think in woodworking, I'm beginning to develop my own style, not just making you know square things. Rectilinear design no longer interests me, and I I like the rounded and this curved. And I, I'm getting into you know what I like to do, and I think that's true of at least the three of us, and of that's true of any woodworker, rather than than maker or DIYer. And that's just an evolution in it. And some people kind of get caught in that open funnel and realize that, you know, the electronics are what really catches them and they become a maker in that regard or the home building is fine. I know, you know, we keep talking about Patrick, but he found woodworking. I've talked to him about this. He found woodworking a little too precise is not the right word. Maybe anal is how he would describe it. Um, Whereas home building is what really captures his interest. And he is as or more, interested in home building and in the precision of home building for what it is as we are with woodworking. Um, so yeah. where we're seeing this, this explosion of growth in YouTube is in the, the wider, more open, let's say making, but I'm not sure that's the right term. Um, <clears throat> whereas we're talking in a more, more refined thing. So by definition where we're talking, be it, Twitter or Instagram or YouTube, it's a more narrower, more dedicated, more focused audience, but it is a smaller audience. Well, and I think a lot of it has to do with instant gratification. Um, Mm. A lot of these YouTubers, they have to do a project a week. 
What? A project a week? These I guys are cranking out some stuff. I can't imagine some that of kind of it, schedule. Some of it at a pretty high level, you know? Um, but a project a week, let's be realistic here. There's only so much you can do in mm. that time and film it and edit it. And and the filming has gotten really good. Um, and the editing has gotten really good. Um, so you know, in that time that it takes somebody on YouTube to make um, a, a desk, Duncan Gowdy's still kind of getting his design in order. Exactly. And I think there's room for both. There's definitely, definitely right. room for both. There's, um, there's, there's, there, that doesn't make one right and one wrong. No, and that, exactly. That, that, just, that just makes, you know, it's like, you know, you you got to make that desk. Yeah, do it in a week. This is how you do it. Um, but like, as I'm building this this side table, I'm taking such joy in these like minuscule little things that no one's ever going to notice, other than me. But honestly, this is one of the first times that I've got the time. I've got an incredibly valid excuse. My wife, you know, thinks nothing of me waking up an hour and a half early to go into the shop because, you know, I work for a woodworking magazine. It kind of makes sense that I spend more time in the shop now. Um, And now it's also not, you know, Mike and I go to the lumber yard. It's like, Oh my God, look at that piece of eight quarter cherry. That's just absolutely beautiful. We each walk away with a $150 board. Um, It it makes more sense. I've got an incredibly good excuse that I wish everyone in the world had. Um, But in the end of the day, I'm, I'm enjoying the process more than I ever have. Um, there's a lot more pressure. There's a lot more, you know, got to get it right. I feel that when I'm working in the shop, I feel the need to post on Instagram and do things like that. But, um, but I'm really glad I don't have to do things in a week. Mm. Yeah. You, magazine deadlines are intense until you look at YouTube deadlines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I I have personally enjoyed this discussion of woodworking social media. I'm not quite sure if most people will appreciate it. It is a little inside baseball. I apologize for that to any listener who is not debating the uh, the validity of various social media. If you want to talk to me, do it on Twitter, but I'm on the other platforms. Uh, that being said, Ben, where can people find out more about you, both your work accounts and your personal stuff? Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. I am Ben Strano on Instagram. I think I'm checking. Yes. I'm Ben Strano on Instagram and, uh, fine woodworking magazine on, uh, Instagram as well. All of those posts are, are me. Uh, when you see somebody getting in trouble or getting yelled at or yelling back at somebody, that's me. Um, uh, so Final Working Magazine, if, if I like one of your posts, consider it, or if the magazine likes one of your posts, consider it from me. Um, uh, we are FW Magazine on Twitter, and I'm Ben at FWW on Twitter. And that's really the majority of it, uh, Final Working Magazine on Facebook. I don't really have a public persona on Facebook. But, um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, and then, of course, I blog for the for the website for findwoodworking.com and uh, you can find my post there. Awesome. All right. I'm just typing all those in. That's, that's a, you have the most social uh, sites of, I think any guests we've ever had. And that is fantastic. 
Well, I, it's a big part of my job. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Well, Ben, uh, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. This has uh, been an honor. I've, I've listened to almost all the episodes and, uh, it's funny as I was answering the questions, it was like, you, you've answered these a million times while you're working in the shop. <laughs> you just can't remember them. So see, I, I, I find that both flattering and interesting in that there was, um, I don't know, a few episodes ago, Tom and I realized that we'd never asked each other the questions. We'd never answered the questions. So, Oh, that's hilarious. What? I yeah. thought we asked that years ago. No, uh, <laughs> If we did, we forgot. I'm going to say we haven't, but I'm not going to. I thought some of the original. I'm not going to say did, that there isn't somewhere did. in the archive where we actually did, but um, at least Tom and I thought we hadn't. So go back and listen to every hour of it and see. <laughs> While I have, I'm not about to go back and do it again. <laughs> um, there's an episode uh, called 10 Questions, and it's Tom and I asking each other the five questions. And it was honestly the first time I'd ever really considered my own answers. Um, I'm usually listening to what the guest has trying to either um, argue with them or more often than not, just get a conversation as to why they've picked a particular thing as an answer. Um, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's usually what I'm thinking of when the guests answer. And um, like I said, Tom and I, this it was it was almost as though I was approaching the questions freshly, and that I'd never considered my own answers. So to hear that you run through them in your head when you hear them is just is flattering. So thank you. Well, it's I've found myself. It's like you know now that I'm I've, I'm not a host on Chop Talk Live, but I'm the fill-in guy, and I'm always there. Oh, you're the man. It's it, it's it's incredible how. Uh, how different it is all of a sudden when boom, you have to give an answer or you have to, you know, it's like, right. I'd, I'd sat there and argued with Matt a bajillion times in my head. And then when all of a sudden you actually have to argue with Matt, it's difficult. <laughs> I, I understand. I was, uh, I was honored to be a guest on Chop Talk Live in the early, early days. Yeah. And, and you, and you argued with him about your, uh, about your chop saw. And I, th- that I will argue, I will. I, I invite him. You tell Matt he is welcome to my shop any day of the week. And the cuts <laughs> off my miter saw, while not arguably not to the thousandth of a degree as his shooting board, they are by all measured accounts as acceptable for the tolerances we need to make. They are right. perfectly serviceable <laughs> right off the miter saw. And he can bring his shooting board down to my shop because my, my miter saw is permanently mounted. I'm not moving it. Um, and we'll do, I know years ago you did the tenon shoot off or you didn't, but the magazine did yeah. and they did like the sanding versus, um, planing one. I'm going to, I'm throwing the gauntlet down right now to the whole magazine. You, you bring <laughs> Matt and his shooting board down here and we're going to take some previously milled stock and I'm going to cut it on my miter saw and he's going to shoot it with his plane and we'll see which well, assembles better. Well, now you will say this, you, you, you got to know this though, that. Mark Adams had a whole article arguing for your side. Oh, I do. I do. I do. I, I take a slightly different tack than Mark, but he is certainly an ally in the argument. Yes. Yeah. No, his was non-sliding. Yeah. That was his caveat. But um, And you know what? If all I did was make furniture, I would get a non-sliding one also. 
but as is true of the majority of us, I'm not doing this for a living. I'm doing this as a hobby. And the fact of the matter is the sliding stool gives me so much more capacity around the house for everything else a miter saw is good for outside of woodworking. Um, that if, if you're going to be a homeowner and a woodworker, I think you need the sliding saw. If you're going to just make woodworking, by all means, the non-slider is arguably a little bit more accurate. But even with the slide or the, the, the glide that I have, yeah. I've never said, oh, you know what? This was a little sloppy because of the, the play in the mechanism. Yeah, if you yeah. pull the head out all the way and you whack it, it moves. That's true of any sliding yeah. saw. Um, but when you control it properly, it cuts as accurate as anything. No, I really want to see the, the shootout between your saw and your table saw. That would be a very interesting, uh, interesting shootout. And yeah. as both of those saws currently work in my shop, um, come on down. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> as soon as I get my house put back together. Yeah, by all means. You need a bed first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. All right. So, Chris, do you, uh, do you remember this outro? Do you want to start us off? Yeah, I can start us off. Can I do the right. music? <laughs> do, do the music. Could, could you do me a favor? Yeah. Um, ben is find some stupid part of this and edit it together, and we'll throw it at the end like you do I got, your episodes. I got enough stuff to do. <laughs> that's, so much, that, that's, that's really become a lot of pressure for me now. Where it's like, like, all of a sudden I'm like sitting there like, I gotta come up with something like crazy to make Matt say here. Or I gotta, you know, do an R&B hip-hop track with a something stupid that that mike said this is a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah it's it's gotten out of hand i need to dial it back i think well let me, <laughs> let me just say this too to any of our listeners who feel this is too inside baseball i sincerely apologize that being said you absolutely sh- if you're listening to this and you can tolerate us and you enjoy this you should be listening to shop talk live and a lot of these comments would make a lot more sense if you did so yeah. i'm sorry if this is a little too inside baseball but listen to matt and um, and Mike and Tom, they're, they have, they know more about woodworking than we do and they're snarkier than we are and probably just as entertaining. So it's, it's absolutely worth listening to the, the shop talk live podcast is phenomenal. Right. Well, thank you. I'm a little jealous that we started almost at the exact same time. I think, I think our podcast started like two weeks earlier. It was, it was we, just, it about was the same just time. right before. Yeah, yeah. But, but you guys working at a magazine have been dramatically more consistent than us. And we're only up to episode. This is an episode ninety-seven. What episode are you guys on? Uh, one thirteen. I just see, published. If, if we had just stayed to the course and ep- published every two weeks, like you do, see where we'd be. I I I get like death threats if I. I there was one. There was one Friday that I was late publishing because I was. I had another cold and I was just knocked out. And and like I think I posted on Facebook. I was like, I'm trying, guys. I just can't get it. And people are like, Where's the Where's the podcast? And, and just. <laughs> It's it's amazing how seriously some some people take it, but to, I get it. To yeah. those people, on the one hand, I get it. If, oh, if, I remember. If it were to stop, you know. I see. I don't get those threats, Chris. That was reserved for you. Uh, oh, I got them. Trust me. Um, <laughs> at least personally, I subscribe to a lot of podcasts. I, off the top of my head, I want to say it's twenty, twenty five, thirty, something like that. I listen to podcasts, and I'm typically. Right now, I'm thinking I'm about two and a half weeks behind. I'm typically about a week behind. So if you post a day late, I never know. Well, i I used to always, um, I used to always binge listen, and like I would, I would do like 
10 episodes of not, not 10. I would do like five episodes of MWA and then I do like five episodes of shop talk. And then I do five episodes of wood talk. Um, and now like, I, I just, I can't do it quite as much. Um, just because I'm woodworking stuff all day too. Mm-hmm. I'd go insane. But, um, yeah, I, I still, I still listen to most, most of the new episodes that come out. I've given up on the, on the idea of catching up with everything, mm-hmm. but on my drive up from Nashville to Connecticut, I was, um, seriously behind on shop talk live. <laughs> and I was like, you really need to catch up on this. And I think I had 20 episodes and that's the only thing I listened to wow. on my drive up. And it was, it was tough. <laughs> I was say, how was that? Well, okay. You say that like that much. And of course you got tired, <laughs> but 20 hours of, of woodworking oh. podcast was, it was, was a nightmare. But I was like, I have to get through every one of these episodes. So yeah, and for that, I could absolutely appreciate. I'll I tend to be a completist, so I insist on listening to every episode of the podcast I listen yep. to. But the strategy I'll offer to anyone who listens to a lot of podcasts is mix up the topics. I tend to listen to tech and politics and woodworking, but I play them in the order of release. So I'm constantly cycling through all of them. It's never two episodes <laughs> of the same episode again, and it just it keeps them running through, um, which breaks it up for me but and I, even, I hate to say this but i listen to most podcasts on on double speed oh i i'm at i'm at 1.8 i started doing that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no you have you get, to you get used to it and it makes them go a little quicker and then so. your wife steps in the car it's like what's wrong with this you have to slow it down <laughs> how do you listen all right, all right. So, so with that uh that just about wraps up the show uh, if you're missing us already, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can just search the Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you subscribe, you'll never miss another exciting episode. While you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating as it helps in our rankings and makes it easier to find with for other woodworkers. Or non-woodworkers. Or non-woodworkers. If you want to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You can like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. And while you're there, join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. And I feel compelled to defend that. Um, I'm in that community at least uh, every day. It is not quite the... Um, it's kind of like Twitter these days in that it's not quite as um, as active as it used to be, but it remains a wonderful platform for sharing pictures and video especially. But it's a, I, I'm impressed and surprised by how supportive a community is and guys who share there. Um, it's, a, it's a good, solid group. So if you're on Google+, please participate. And if you're not, join us in any other social platforms. You got it. Chris, where can people find you? Uh, I'm Chris Adkins, and you can find me on Twitter or on Instagram at HyrockWW. And I am Diami Plotke of penultimatewoodshop.com. I am at Diami Plotke on the Twitters, and uh, I'm at other things on other platforms. One more time, Ben, where can people find you on the Twitters and the Instagrams? Uh, Instagram's Ben Strano or Fine Woodworking Magazine and Twitter Ben FWW and uh, FW Magazine. All right. Well, with that, I'd ask you to please uh, visit the content our guest is putting out. It is fantastic. 
harass Chris and tell him to get his ass back in the shop. And <laughs> I will see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening and stay safe in the shop.